You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Here's a question for you. Hit me. Why do the people call you about your car's extended warranty? Where does that whole scheme come from? Apparently, it's like just the right note of anxiety to strike with people. You know, they're like, nobody knows about their extended warranty because everyone was flustered when they signed the lease or the (laughs) whatever it is you buy. I don't know. It's not a lease. That's the opposite. When you buy a car, I feel like a lot of things are happening that I didn't know about. I'm like, yeah, can we make it cheaper by not putting oil in it? I'll do that myself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Stuff like that. You know what I mean? I'm not thinking about these other weird things I'm signing. And so they're like, well, nobody really knows what they signed. And everyone's anxious that it could run out, whatever this imaginary thing is. And so they're like, that's what we'll prey on. That is just amazing that's to me. That's my guess. I don't know. It seems arbitrary, frankly. Yeah, but then they're calling. They and... call about credit cards, too. I'm like, you're wrong, though. Yeah, I, I have never opened a credit card in my life. <laughs> exactly. And I don't have an extended warranty, and you didn't even get the car right. <laughs> I've never owned a Jeep Wrangler. I only wish you're preying on my dreams and insecurities. Oh, man. Yeah, that's interesting to me. I don't know what that has to do with anything. It was just on my mind as we started recording. Always kinds of interesting things that are on my mind when we start recording. Yeah. I mean, interesting might be a strong word to Mm. use Mm. that might indicate that it's even worth talking about. I just have things that run through my mind. You know what runs through my mind, actually? And that's not a segue. I'm actually going to tell you. Oh, yes, no, please. Um, I could have done that. You know what runs through my mind? The Lord's Prayer. But it, it's actually not true. That doesn't run through my mind. You know when um, maybe you're just kind of overwhelmed with a problem or you're trying to work something out and you like have like really a math problem to figure out or you're trying to calculate time or trying sure. to remember something particular. You have to yeah. make a decision. And so you stop. You stop everything around you when you think. But as it turns out, you're actually not thinking. You're just, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I, I, oh, let me think about this. But in fact, you're just posing. Your brain is not. Your brain actually just stops. <laughs> you're just existing in the moment. It's like, hold on. I got to remember the name of that actor. And I'm actually just not thinking about it. I say that and I tell myself to think about it. I tell myself I got to dig through. Work brain, dig through the files. But instead, I'm just just sitting there with with my hands out in front of me pretending <laughs> that I'm thinking about it. And that's what I do before the, every podcast. I'm and like, you know, I got to say something, but I'm actually not thinking. I'm just sitting here looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's extra crazy to me? Yeah. Is when someone else is in that position mm-hmm. and they have to be thinking about something and their brain is not functioning, I will be able to think of it immediately. <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh, geez, come on, buddy. That was easy, yes, you know? Sorry. Or the same thing, like someone's trying to think about something, you know, for a sermon or something or whatever. And yeah. I just can't think of it. I'm like, it's this right here. Yeah. Like, this is what you're trying to say, right? When I'm doing my own, though, I'm like, yeah. hmm, well, this is pointless. It's this like is... I forgot how to think. Yeah. Like, it's like, why? what do I do? Oh, I just, if I, if I pose long enough, if I just sit here in the right position, <laughs> like, the thought will just come to me. <laughs> it will know that I'm in thinking position. <laughs> it will just arrive at my brain. It's, oh, it's very strange. Oh, the human enigma machine brain (laughs) thing. Oh, man. Wow. Well, that had nothing to do with anything we're talking about today. Not one bit. Who's surprised? (laughs) Nobody who listens to this podcast on a regular basis. You know what we're talking about today. Yeah. You know that we're concluding our walkthrough of the Lord's Prayer. Wow. It has come to an end. Wow. Not the prayer, I mean. It's the prayer we will continue to hopefully pray it, but I mean, our particular discussion of it is is winding down. And you know what is actually interesting about uh, this final bit we're going to talk about here? Do tell. If you go pick up your Bible right now, 
and you flip it to Matthew 6, 9 through 13, or Luke 11, 2 through 4, which uh-huh. is another place where uh-huh. the Lord's Prayer shows up, you will not see this particular petition included. Really? It won't be in the text. No. You're not just faking me out here like it's going to be in verse 14. No. Okay. No, it's just not there. It's just not there at all. It is not there. Depending on your translation, mm. there may be a little footnote that includes this petition, but it's not It's not in the main text. That's interesting. It ain't there. If you are still one of those guys reading like the 1611 KJV, it might be there, but... <laughs> No, your your Bible probably doesn't have it. How do you even get a copy of that? It, well, yeah, it's Mm-mm. you don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you had the sixteen eleven KJV, you couldn't read it. Let me tell you what. So yeah, it's not going to be in that in that passage. Or if you are at a Catholic mass mm. and they are praying the Lord's Prayer, which sure. they do every mass, and you show up and you are praying this part very confidently. Mm. You know, you're praying the prayer very confidently because you know, you know the prayer. Yeah, of course. And you say this last part very confidently and loudly. Uh. You will stop in your tracks immediately because you will notice very quickly no one else is saying it. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? You'll feel like an idiot. Specifically. Ask me how I, <laughs> how I know that. <laughs> <laughs> because the oh. Catholics don't use this particular line in their masses either. Mm, that's and interesting. Yeah. So, um, in fact, it, this is really not a petition at all, actually. It's a doxology. Oh. And the doxology, of course, is, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's this, it. This might expose my ignorance of terms here, but <laughs> why is it a doxology and not a petition? Because at first glance, it seems to be just as much a statement of fact as some of the previous ones. Like, yeah. you doesn't need us to tell them, thine is the kingdom, etc. Right, right, right. Yes. Great point. Great question, actually. So, what differentiates this particular clause as a doxology is the fact fact that in the previous lines, we were like asking for things, uh-huh. uh, like, you know, it's like, God, let your name be hallowed. Like, let your kingdom come. Oh, okay. Let your will be done. Like, give us this day. Forgive us. Yeah. Deliver us. This is just a statement of uh, yours is the kingdom mm. and the power and the glory forever. It is a statement of praise, basically. Okay. Instead of a request, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So many, if not all, I think, of the New Testament epistles end in a doxology. Really? Mm-hmm. You have Jude saying, now to him who was able to keep you from stumbling and who was able to present you blameless before himself, to him be glory, dominion, power, and majesty now into the day of eternity through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. There's a similar Something feeling like there. Yeah, yeah. So in this case, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, that's a pretty good doxology. Yeah. I mean, that's helpful theologically. And in fact, it actually sounds pretty similar to the words of First Chronicles 29.11, which is perhaps echoing those words. First Chronicles 29.11 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. So, I mean... They really pared that down, though. Yeah, they, they did. They really did pare that down. So, before we get into the doxology's actual content, I think it would be helpful to talk about why is it missing from our Bibles and... <laughs> For example, why don't the Catholics use it in their mass yeah. when they're praying the Lord's Prayer? Because chances are, if you know, you grew up Protestant, which many of us did, you learned this part of the prayer. Oh, like yeah, it's just part sure. of what you pray. And anytime I've ever prayed it in a church other than a Catholic church, we've included this line. So why doesn't it show up in our Bibles today? And why, for instance, don't the Catholics use it? Well, as it turns out, there's actually a surprisingly simple answer to both of those questions. Oh. Yeah. But brace yourself. Okay. The doxology is is not present in the earliest, most reliable manuscripts of Matthew. Ooh. What? Yeah, it's not there. It's just not there. Interesting. You go back to the earliest ones we have, totally missing. That feels weird. Completely absent. Just not Hmm. there. Not hiding, just not there. (laughs) 
Let me just—it's not between yeah, the lines. It's not. It's not. They—they they didn't include it in a footnote. It's just not there. Interesting. So here's the thing: if that sounds earth-shattering, like if I accidentally, you know, just like I don't know, destroyed your opinion of like I don't know textual reliability or something, this is not earth-shattering. Mm. So just because the doxology doesn't show up in the earliest manuscripts of Matthew does not mean one that it wasn't used by the early church or even by the disciples. Okay, concluding doxologies were a normal part of Jewish prayers, and so the doxology may simply have been assumed and not written down. So are like doxologies set in stone? Are they like rigid conclusions that you pick from since it was even common enough to be assumed? Like, we always end with one of these preset lines. This is, how we, <laughs> yeah. this is our final stanza. <laughs> or is this just the general practice of saying something at the end? Yeah, so I'm not 100% certain on the history of them, but some of the reading that I've done indicates that it may have been something you just supplied. Okay. Like, you just would have the grammar and the language of, like, the Psalms oh, as, like, so an example. Not, of, it's not like everyone would know it along with you. Yeah, right, not necessarily. Okay. Okay. And, again, coming back to, like, the epistles, they all conclude with the doxology. And yeah, They're all very different. kind of complicated. Yeah, Jude's okay. is complicated. You have, like, Paul saying things, to him be the glory and power forever, amen. You have him saying things like, to him, from him, and through him are all things, blessed be he. Like, those kinds of things. Yeah. So, you do see a lot of variation. So, very common part of prayer. So, all that is to say is, okay, yeah, so it may not have been written down, but that doesn't mean it wasn't used. Right. It also doesn't mean, too, that it doesn't show up in any of the manuscripts. It does oh, show okay. up in some very early manuscripts, as a really? matter of fact. Yeah, okay. just not like the <laughs> the very earliest. Mm-hmm. It does have good textual attestation in other of Matthew's manuscripts. So, it also shows up in other early church documents. For example, it also appears in the Didache, which is one of the earliest teaching manuals of the church, yeah. which many scholars date all the way back to the first or second centuries, as a matter of fact. And it has a whole segment on the Lord's Prayer. Okay, and it wow. includes the doxology. Okay. So, all that is to say is is just because it didn't show up in the very earliest manuscripts doesn't mean it wasn't used. It doesn't mean the fact that we pray it is incorrect. There's nothing wrong with the fact that we as good old Protestants include this doxology when we pray the Lord's Prayer. It does seem weird, though, to say it without a line of what feels like closure. It feels better. It's a capstone. Yeah, yeah. And I think we do kind of like that <laughs> concluding line there. Yeah. You know, it feels right. I did feel oddly, you know, I don't know what the word is, but when we didn't say it at that mass, I was like, oh, this is, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like I ever finished the prayer. You Never know? mind like, the fact that you started to. Yeah. Like, and then, yeah, especially that it's like, oh, like I'm just going to walk out of here and yeah. say that quietly to myself. I'll be in the confessional. Yes. <laughs> Forgive me, father, for I've sinned. So now that we've cleared all that up, what about the actual content of the doxology? Hmm. Well, I would say it very nicely and neatly brings the prayer full circle, really, in addition to giving us kind of a nice concluding note on it, because it reminds us why we're praying in the first place. We're praying precisely because the kingdom and the power and the glory belong to God forever. That's the ground of our prayer. In other words, we're praying because God can answer our prayers. That's basically what we're affirming when we say those lines. He is the king who can cause his name to be hallowed and his kingdom to come and his will to be done. He is the one who has the power to sustain us and forgive us. He is the one who will deliver us safely through the present darkness and into the glory of his blessed presence. Mm. That's all kind of contained in that doxology. Yeah, and then you get to affirm that, I guess. It's a nice reminder both for us. Also, I kind of think that I don't quite know where this 
need comes from. But I appreciate the idea of following up this list of petitions with something other than another request. Yeah. Like, at least there's more overtly a tone of praise or thanks or worship that is like, here are all of these things that I want and I need from you to sustain me uh, and to live more righteously than I could ever on my own. Also, let's recognize who that comes from and thank you you for these things. Yeah, exactly. So I do think quite on that note, it protects us, if I could put it that way, from thinking about God in like vending machine terms. I think that's always a danger for us, right? I would like C2, C3, and D4. Yes, yes. Please give me that. So it brings us back to this place of ultimately, however you choose to answer these prayers and however Mm. you do provide for our petitions and our needs and our desires, yours is the kingdom. It belongs to you. Yours is the power. It belongs to you. Yours is the glory. It brings us back to that place of awe and reverence. It makes me think of Jesus' praying like here's what i would really like but also at the end of it your will be done yeah exactly Mm. that is exactly right and one would think that may have been done on purpose then you know (laughs) so uh, you have the doxology then not only ascribing praise to god and bringing us back to that place of reverence and kind of humble submission before him but it also does i think ground our confidence in praying in the first place and you alluded to this just now because if god doesn't possess the kingdom and the power and the glory forever then we have no assurance that he can actually answer our petition And at that point, why are we bothering with praying, right? Exactly. I think we've talked about this during the series, but prayer, I think, is one of the more difficult, if not the most difficult, of the spiritual disciplines. Mm. It's just so mysterious, right? Yeah, sure. And I I always hesitate to use the word mysterious because that, I think that gives you, yeah, well, it's overused and, you know, it's that get out of jail free card. Because we know a lot about prayer. I think when I say mysterious, it's like, you know, you're speaking to God, you're communing with him, but it's not at all in the same way that like you and I. Yeah. It doesn't lend itself to human metrics. No, that's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. it. It's there's there is no real analog for what we're doing here because I mean, God exists on a completely different metaphysical plane than exactly, we do, yeah. you know? So there's this frustration that we come into it expecting, oh, it's just one creature talking to another creature. Mm. And that is not at all what's happening. It is creatures talking to uncreated creator. And so if God, again, doesn't possess, you know, the kingdom, the power, the glory, and he can't answer our prayers if he's not on a different metaphysical plane than we are. Like, okay, yeah, like, why are we bothering? We're just with well-wishing this? ourselves. Yeah, and, like, at that point, you could spend your time in much more effective ways and much less frustrating ways. So you have all of that happening, and it also provides us a much-needed reminder that we don't merit any provisions or grace from God, which is something else you alluded to. You, you hit all those things in, like, one sentence that I have to, like, be like, well, let me explain this in 27 different <laughs> paragraphs. Let's make you the uh, the great the great summarizer here. Yeah, we don't merit any provisions or grace. We don't merit or earn mm-hmm. the answers that God gives to us. I mean, he doesn't need anything. It's not like he's up there, you know, waiting. He's like, well, when you, you know, like you said, if when you're righteous enough, I'll go ahead and answer these petitions. Oh. The doxology reminds us, as Calvin noted, that our prayers are founded on God alone so that we don't rely on our own merits. All answers to prayer come to us because of God's graciousness and generosity because all things are already his, not because we've in any way earned any answer from him. God's not a cosmic banker. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. He's not a cosmic banker. You right. don't make little deposits of righteousness, which you can then withdraw for answers to prayer. Oh, can you, know? you imagine that? Oh, It's man, basically be... prayer answering juice. Yeah. <laughs> 
which comes back to vending machine thinking. Yeah, cosmic banker, like you just, that's not at all, you're just not thinking about God rightly. And the doxology reminds you of that. It is this. Good point. Oh, that's a good point. It comes back to this God, it, he has the kingdom, he has the power, his is the glory. He's not some cosmic banker. He's completely different from us. I wonder how much good that would do me, I think, sometimes when I'm praying. And I, I feel like even now, after all these years, I can still find myself thinking like, man, how much am I asking right now? Like, yeah. not, not that it's a big effort for God, but it's like, is this all I have to say? Like, man, I just have all these stupid little problems. I just want all of this, <laughs> all of these things figured out for me. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's like, can I not just be doing that? And I think the weird kind of hoops you find yourself tangled up in about not having enough to say or being so caught up on yourself or whatever, taking a step back from that and having the message of this doxology, yeah. I think is a, a centering moment. Very much so. And I do think a lot of people deal with that exact same thing. Yeah. And you have all those all those reminders, first of all, you know, like Jesus saying, like, don't worry about piling up and heaping up words like the Gentiles <laughs> do, right? Like they think you're going to be heard because of their many words. Like your father knows what you need yeah. before you ask him. Exactly. He wants you to ask him, but he knows what you need before you ask him. Mm -hmm. And again, down to like the most seemingly small and significant thing to like the biggest thing in our lives. Oh, yeah. You don't exhaust God. (laughs) He is fullness of life. Like that's like when the scholastic theologians talked about God, it was like, I mean, he is the fullness of infinite bliss and blessed life. Like Mm -hmm. you cannot... I know I'm getting a little off track here, but like they talk about like, this is very scholastic of them. Like God does not move. Like in the sense, like there is no movement in God. Like there's no unrealized potentiality in him. And you know, the people like, was like, oh, that means like, you know, God's just like this stationary immobile. And like, no, no, that's not the point they're making. He is so full of life. We can't comprehend. Mm. Yeah. See, like I got us on this digression that really needs a lot of explanation that I don't have time to do. (laughs) The point of what I'm trying to say is like, God is this infinite fountain. Yeah. It's not like, well, shoot, I used up, you know, a quart of this fountain today, I guess that's going to, you know, really set me back and set God back. No! The prayer answering juice box is empty. Yeah, like, no, 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 no. That is not (laughs) ever how that works. God Mm -hmm. cannot run out of life or glory or any of those things. The kingdom is not in danger. You know what I mean? Like, the kingdom is not going to be shaken. All these things. I think think even further, he knows the innermost desires and needs that you've never even put words to. Oh, yeah. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows the things better than you do. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't remember who it was that said this, but like he said, God will answer your prayers in all the ways that you would want him to if you knew everything he knew. You know what I mean? Yeah. But of course we don't, and that's good. And the exercise of faith for us is to ask and to pray the prayer. And Mm -hmm. like, I mean, Jesus told us, ask for these things. Then conclude and entrust. Now God's is the kingdom and the power and the glory. He will do what is best for you and nothing is going to threaten him or ultimately threaten you and you can entrust yourself to him and submit yourself to him in reverence and awe knowing that he'll do all those things and you get all that i think kind of wrapped up neatly in that short doxology for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever yeah i like that a lot more now i think i think previously it was just that's the sign off (laughs) send button you know right like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's it. Yeah, but uh, I think I think I could I think very easily see myself taking this in my own prayers. Yeah, and hopefully we can all do the same. So thanks for listening to this, and uh, hopefully this little walk through the Lord's Prayer has enriched your prayer life. And if it was helpful to you, and you want to leave us an honest five star review, you can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, go to the iTunes podcast section there, type it all up. It'd be great. And if you have any questions on this or any other topic, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net, or you can interact with us on social media. Thank you, as always, for listening. And don't forget, God says the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. See? A little sign off there, but not really. See, just I a little see. irreverent, but, you know, slightly doing that. We'll bring it full circle here. <laughs>
Thank you guys as always for listening and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.